I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to... Two Girls Watch TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. I'm Danielle. And I'm Sina. We have some discussions to have before we get into our episode today. We do. We got to talk about the Emmys. So, Christina, did you watch any of the Emmys? No, because I forgot that it was on a Monday. Isn't it usually on a Sunday? Yeah, it's a very odd time. I don't know who okayed it to go on a Monday. Um, I did not watch the beginning of the Emmys because I was actually deep in a binge watch of watching Dopesick for this uh, podcast. (laughs) So I was like, no, no, I need to watch the last episode. And it was like, I knew that it was going to overlap. And I was like, you know what? I don't really care. I need to watch the last episode of uh, Dopesick and figure out what happens. So that's what I did instead. But then I tuned into the Emmys um missed keenan's opening keenan thompson hosted oh the mayor of tv yeah the mayor of tv yeah um he i thought he did a good job i thought the writing was like not that good like some of the announcers went up there and it was just kind of like boring Mm. like i didn't get the bits that they were trying to do well i will say the perfect person to host the emmys is definitely keenan thompson yeah Yeah, no, he did a great job, and there's a scene where they literally have, like, a bar in the setup, (laughs) and all of a sudden, like, he's talking to, um, I forget how to pronounce his name, and I'm not gonna try, um, Kumal Namjari. There you go, trying. (laughs) (laughs) And then he looks over, and he's like, sir, would you like a drink? And it's um, Kel from uh, Keenan and Keenan Kel. And, Kel. <laughs> and it was a great moment. He didn't realize he was going to be there. He did. So that was a total surprise. Yeah. Um, or if he did know it was him, he did a really good job pretending because should have won an Emmy. Should have get handed over right then and there. But I will say, um, what's his name? Oh my God, where did it go? Um, Jason Sudeikis, he won, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's get into what was announced. So for Outstanding Drama, Succession won. So take that one off the list. We've already done it. Um, It beat out Ozark, Stranger Things, Severance, Better Call Saul, Yellow Jackets, Euphoria, Euphoria. and, and Squid Games. Um, outstanding comedy series, Ted Lasso won. Check. Uh, it beat out Hacks, Barry, Only Murders in the Building, Abbott Elementary, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, and What We Do in the Shadows. I just, it was, I mean, for me, it was going to either be What We Do in the Shadows or Ted Lasso. I just want What We Do in the Shadows to win something. Yes, and actually, I think we should watch Abbott Elementary. Nick and I just started it, and it's hysterical. How many seasons? Yeah, I think it's only one. It's Oh, okay. <laughs> so write that down. Write that down. We done that for September. Back to school. Ah, uh, you know what? We have the best ideas as they're in motion. So we'll put it in the list somewhere. 
Okay, lead actress in a drama series, Zendaya won for Euphoria. She was up against Reese Witherspoon for The Morning Show, Laura Linney for Ozark, Sandra Oh for Killing Eve, Jodie Connor, Corner, no, Comer <laughs> for Killing Eve, and Melanie Linsky for Yellow Jackets, which you have not watched any of Euphoria, right? I only watched, well, I watched the first or one or I think I've watched the first two episodes, at least the first episode. Okay, I've watched both seasons twice through, so I think with season two, Zendaya deserves this award. She does a fantastic job. Okay, for lead actor in a drama series, Lee Jung-jae won for Squid Games. He was up against Brian Cox for Succession, Jeremy Strong for Succession, Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul, Jason Bateman for Ozark, and Adam Scott for Severance. Mm. 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 Yeah, I really thought Brian Cox was going to take that. Yeah, well, it's good to see some, someone new take the award. Uh, supporting actress in a drama series, Julia Garner won for Ozark. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yeah. She was up against Patricia Arquette for Severance, Christina Ricci for Yellow Jackets, Reyes Sahome for Better Call Saul, Ho Yeon Jung for Squid Games, Sydney Sweeney for Euphoria, Sarah Snook for Succession, and then Jay Smith Cameron for Succession. So, yeah. Yeah. Agreed on that one. Lead actress in a comedy series went to Jean Smart for Hacks. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, She's up against uh, Kaylee Cuoco for The Flight Attendant, Elle Fanning for The Great. Rachel Brosnahan for The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Issa Rae for Insecure, and then Quinton Brunson for... Quinta Brunson for Abbott Elementary. Deserved. Well-deserved. <laughs> Lead actor in a comedy series went to Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, of course. Naturally. Uh, um, he was up against Nicholas Holt for The Great, Steve Martin for Only Murders in the Building, Martin Short, Only Murders in the Building, Donald Glover for Atlanta, and then Bill Hader for Barry. So, I agree with this, but, you know, we're, Nicholas Holt in The Great is great. I've been rewatching Great Season 1, and we're going to cover Great Season 2 at the end of this month. And he does a fantastic job. I haven't started season two yet, but I'm sure he's fantastic. Oh, yeah, in it. it is this month. I it... forgot. <laughs> I was like, we are? Um, only murders in the building we're doing next month, correct? Yeah, in October. Because yeah. I thought, like, all, like, Halloween-y stuff. Well, it, yeah, like, a little murder mystery situation. So, mm-hmm. I love Steve Martin. I'm going to continue to say this. Keep a counter of me. This is number one. I love Steve Martin, so... We have Steve Martin, Martin Short, and then Nathan Lane won Best Guest Actor in a Comedy Series. So, I mean, that's pretty pretty amazing. Pretty good. All right, lead, lead actor in a limited or anthology series, Michael Keaton won for Dope Sick. Surprise, surprise. I'm announcing it now as before we yeah. get into this episode. Sebastian Stan was nominated for Pam and Tommy. Himesh Patel was nominated for Station Eleven. Oscar Isaac was nominated for Scenes from a Marriage. Andrew Garfield was nominated for Under the Banner of Heaven. And Colin Firth was nominated for The Staircase. So, after watching this show, do you think that it was deserved? Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. <laughs> okay. Let's let's go through these because we still have a whole episode. <laughs> we'll talk about Dope Sick All in right. a minute. 
Lead actress in a limited or anthology anthology series, Amanda Seyfried won for The Dropout. Uh, Lily James was nominated for Pam and Tommy. Sarah Paulson was nominated for Impeachment, American True Crime Story. Margaret Qualley was nominated for Maid. Tony Collette was nominated for The Staircase. And Julia Garner was nominated for Inventing Anna. Now, I haven't watched The Dropout. I know what it's about. But wouldn't it have been great if Julia Garner won both categories? It would have. That would have been crazy. Yeah. Because everybody was talking about inventing Anna. I mean, we haven't yet. We're going to do it next week, but... Yeah. I want to save my opinions for next week, but I think that... uh, I don't know. Out of this category... I don't know. Um, I will see how Julia Garner does in inventing Anna. I hear her accent yeah. is crazy. But then again, the, the girl's accent is supposed to be crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, supporting actress, comedy series. Uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph won for Abbott Elementary. I'm just going to go through these. Yeah, uh, the winners are fine. We don't need to know <laughs> the eight other people they went up against. <laughs> okay, supporting actor in a comedy series, Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso. That's Mr. Roy Kent himself won. It is. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's supporting actor in a dramedy series, Matthew McFadden for Succession won. Yay! Go, he go was Tom. so good. Go Tom. I just rewatched Pride and Prejudice because it's one of my favorite movies, and it's so weird to me watching that movie now because I really got to, like, shake a lot of that's Tom, that's Tom, that's Tom out of my head. Oh, God. I think if I were to watch that, I would think about the one scene where he makes fun of Greg's boat shoes. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. I wore Sperry's yesterday, and in my head I was like, what does he say? Does the air smell like the salts of the sea, Greg? <laughs> Do I smell a salty brine? That's it. <laughs> That's what I think about every time I put on my Sperry's. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, that's that's basically it. That was the whole kit and caboodle, so... Yeah, then it gets into the smaller things. Although best directing for a, a drama series was, oh, that, those are episodes, but it was Red Light Green Light from Squid Games, and we Danielle the television movie we did it Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I know we said that when the Chippendale Rescue Rang- when we did the episode for Chippendale Rescue Rangers because no, it was already we were, announced. You were going over it now. Oh well, it was already done. Well, it's already been announced. This is an old announcement. Okay. Are we, um, did you say that the best supporting actor in a limited anthology series? No. I don't think so. Who was it? It was, um, Marie Bartlett from The White Lotus. Who, wait, who does he play? He plays the hotel manager. Oh, he won good for him. Yeah. And White the white lotus won best limited or anthology series uh, and jennifer coolidge won supporting actress in a limited or anthology series or movie ah uh, yeah i didn't scroll down far far enough on uh, this google page over here and mike white won for directing for a limited series or anthology from the white lotus and writing for a limited or anthology series was won by the white lotus so the white lotus so bring out the brooms because they took a sweeping Honestly, looking at this supporting... Okay, Jennifer Coolidge 
was gr- like great at the Emmys. She was great at the Emmys. Mm. But looking at this category for supporting actress in a limited anthology series and us watching a lot of them, Caitlin Deaver was robbed, in my opinion. I think that she should have won this category. Yeah. Like, I, I particularly did not like Jennifer Coolidge's character in The White Lotus, and I said it in our episode. Caitlin Deaver did a much better job. Much, much better. Well, also think that her role was much more dramatic. And that's not necessarily something that you can, um, like, measure. Because her role had much more crying and much more... Yeah. Well, I know that Jennifer Coolidge was... <laughs> uh, also had some crying and screaming, but it was a different kind of crying and yeah. screaming. It, it was, was for a, comedic effect. It was, a com- it was a completely different character, but I do think it's interesting that the character who created the most comedic effect won for Best Supporting Actress in a Limited or Anthology series, and it just so happens that The White Lotus happens to be pretty much a drama, because, hey, we know it's not a comedy. We talked about how it's not a comedy for an hour, so... <laughs> Anywho, um, just figured that I would uh, let you know that. Also, Bride Talk series that one was last week with John Oliver again. Um, I have not watched that show in some time because it's it's so good, but damn it, doesn't make give you just like agita about the world. So I need to go back. <laughs> I need to get back on it. I can understand that. And the best competition program was Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls. Which I have not watched, but I did watch her acceptance speech, and it was fantastic. Are we going to get to a point where we watch reality television for this? We've been talking about this for a while. I don't know if I'm there yet. It puts in a lot. You need to put in a lot of work for reality TV. It's not only that, but it's. I feel like it's just a completely different genre of then like everything else that we talk about because like we can't talk about plot in the same way and we no. can't talk about a climax in the same way so i don't i don't know if that's for us i mean like if people wanted us to talk about it i'd give it a shot but we'd yeah. have to like create a special outline for it i think or we just break the outline and just like chat about it <gasps> the outline <laughs> the structure i can't what are you doing? This is a real earth sign fire sign conversation here. Like, <laughs> put a dagger in my heart. <laughs> this is like, I read a, I read a relationship thing between my mom and I, cause she's an Aries and mm-hmm. I'm a Taurus. And they said that like the Aries is like the hot air balloon that is escaping into the clouds. And the Taurus is the one holding the rope bringing it back down to the ground yeah and so every time after that we when we would do all those fundraisers and like decorate rooms my mom was like i want to install a drop ceiling i would go like this which is terrible content for an audio podcast (laughs) but i'm pulling a rope down and my mom's like what are you doing i'm like i'm grounding you because you need to be grounded that woman is a triple aries she told me she was a triple aries that is terrifying that's what somebody told her when she basically went to a person who whose name might have been co-star (laughs) good one 
listen, that's pretty good for 7 a.m. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Do you want to transition into talking about Dope Sick? Oh, God, yes. Question for okay. you. How long did it take you to watch this, and when did you finish it? I think I banged out half of the series in one night. Wow. Or, like, three and a half episodes at least. And then the last episode I watched yesterday afternoon, and Dave's like, can we watch this now so that we never have to watch it again? <gasps> Dave! He d- doesn't like to be bummed out. So when we watch oh. things like this, he's like, he would rather watch a documentary about this. But the whole, like, drama aspect of yeah. it, where, like, my kid died, and this is what happened. And he's like, I can't. I don't. I don't like this part. And I'm like, because it's feelings and you don't want to have them. (laughs) I get it. So he was like, I I can't, I can't. This is the part of the show that I can't watch. Okay. Um, so I expected me to like drag it out this week because, and well, I'll get into it further, but I watched this so quickly. Like, I was like, I need to know what happens next. Like, I could not stop watching it. Yeah, the only time I stopped was when I fell asleep or I had to do something else. I didn't really stop because I needed a break or I needed to pause. I don't ever really feel that. Dave's like, we're, we're watching this, and there's one episode, and he's like, I need a palate cleanser before I go to bed. I can't yeah. go to bed with this in my head yeah i don't think i could watch this right before bed because it would <laughs> it would keep me up i would start like thinking about too many things i was very tired so i, just, I was like mm, i'm gonna go to bed now <laughs> but yeah anyway if you want to watch it it's on hulu and it's rated tvma all right hit me with your summary and we went over the awards uh are you going to talk about vets Oh, wait, wait, okay, so uh, awards specifically for Dope Sick, we talked about it, where Michael Keaton won for at the Emmys for Outstanding Lead Actor in an Anthology Series, and then this won Outstanding Cinematography for a Limited um, or Anthology Series movie, that's weirdly worded. At the Golden Globes, Michael Keaton won Best Television Motion Picture, uh, this was nominated for Best TV Motion Picture, and then Caitlin Deaver was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in a TV, you know, limited anthology, supporting, minute, limited, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say here. For a small thing that only has one Emmy. season. I hope that we get so big that they're like, we need two girls watch TV to give an award out at the Emmys, which would like never happen, you know, but it could, right? Because anything's possible. And then I want Danielle to go, this is the award for the best, you know, whatever series. This is the best limited anthology movie short thing that won't have a second season and we're done with. (laughs) (laughs) This is the best short thing. (laughs) Oh my God, that's fantastic. So do you know if we have any vets? We didn't get into characters. You didn't give me your... uh... Your oh, summary, yeah. We talk about the vets. You're right. The story of how Purdue Pharma was responsible for a large spike in our country's intake of opioids. Dope stick, another term for drug withdrawal, is, or what happens when you have drug withdrawal, is what we see Americans experiencing as this drug very casually is introduced into their lives. Many feel great for a moment and ache for a lifetime. Our characters struggle to get their lives together, but many never do. 
Okay, so let's go over these, like, different groupings of characters because we kind of got a bunch of things all over the place. So a few players, we got the U.S. attorneys, um, Rick Mountcastle, played by Peter Sarsgaard, uh, Randy Ramsayer, played by John Hoogenacre. I kid you not, his last name is Hoogenacre. Hoogenacre. Which Skarsgård is this? Okay, this is a Sarsgaard, not a Skarsgaard. Oh, different family tree. Different family tree. But this, neighbors. this guy is married to Maggie Gyllenhaal. Didn't know that until I looked it up. I didn't know that either, but I've seen this man in many, many, many a thing. Yes. Yes, he has been around. Um, I did not write down anything that he's in, but... Uh, for me, I feel like he was in An Education. That's the movie that I think of with Carrie Mulligan. Um, so Rick, Randy, and then their boss is John Brownlee, played by... J- Why did I write Jail McDormand? I was half asleep when I watched <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say it's Jake McDormand. Um, there's DEA agent Bridget Meyer, played by Rosario Dawson. Oh my god, I was totally half asleep while I was writing those, these notes. Um, then we get into the Sackler family and their employees. We have Richard Sackler, played by Michael Stuhlberg. Um, Kate, Kathy Sackler, played by Jamie Ray Newman. And their three employees who kind of take the fall for them. We have Howard Udell, played by Brendan Patrick Connell, Michael Friedman, played by Will Chase, and Dr. Paul Goldenheim, played by Alan Campbell. Then we have their salesperson, Billy Cutler, played by Will Poulter. Um, Then we have our composite characters. Uh, We have Dr. Samuel Phoenix, played by Michael Keaton. We have Betsy Malum, played by Caitlin Deaver. Uh, her dad, Jerry, played by Ray McKinnon, and then her mom, Diane, played by where Mayor Winningham, which I'm now, it's now clicking in my head why I know Mayor Winningham. That's from, uh, she's from St. Elmo's Fire. This is who? Mayor Winningham. Oh. Oh. Do you know, oh. do you know St. Elmo's Fire? Yeah. She's the one that wears, that's a social worker that wears a lot of pink sweaters and is love with Rob Lowe. Can relate. <laughs> um, did you go over vets? I'm just so excited. Tell me, who, who's the vet? I don't know who the vet it's is. Well, Philippa Caitlin Deaver, she's been it's, in base. No, it's Philippa So. Well, it's Caitlin Deaver, yeah, for... <clears throat> undeniable invincible untouchable undeniable uh unbelievable unbelievable i knew i would get there i just <laughs> and, go along that ride and book and, smart yes um philippa so is eliza hamilton and hamilton oh yeah oh yes okay that's who that yes she plays bit like billy's counterpart did not recognize her whatsoever yeah, bangs through me she was also in tick tick boom she was in Tick, Tick, Boom. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. She's got a lot of... She's a very big vet. Sorry, mm. didn't, didn't even list her. I had a feeling that Michael Keaton was going to take over our minds as we went into this. Um, and now I'm very upset we didn't start with a new girl quote. <laughs> About Michael Keaton? <laughs> yes. 
about how he, you know what I'm talking about. How he I like, know. I'm surprised you didn't come in with a duct tape uh, fake Batman helmet <laughs> while you were typing well, yeah, this. Just for this episode, very ca- keeping it casual. Um, but yeah, I, I had a feeling that, that Keaton was going to take over our minds. So then that detail, I was like, I got to write this down. <laughs> so I don't forget. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our climax because there's a few characters going around and it's hard to tell where 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 we're going with this. So first one is an early climax for Bridget Meyer. She found evidence that proved that Oxycontin was the cause of overdoses beyond drug abusers and that it was actually to patients who were being prescribed Oxycontin as opposed to, like, getting out the street or whatever. Um, she did not present it, or she did not present it to, uh, before her meeting with the FDA and Purdue, so they they did not get a heads up before she went into this meeting. They immediately dismissed the findings, and she realizes that there's literally no win- winning in this arena of trying to take down Purdue Pharma. Uh, Dr. Phoenix gets clean, and in an attempt to clear his conscience, he asks Betsy if she will join him visiting this specialist he's seeing helping with addiction. Uh, Betsy decides to have one last high, and it turns out to be her last. Her mother is prompted to get involved, stopping Purdue, and gets involved with activist movements. Um, some are so intense that they almost get a payout from Purdue as, as a donation, Uh, but it's really hush money, and they decide not to take it. Dr. Phoenix continues to clear his conscience. He takes a few more of his old patients under his wing, and he works with them to get them clean, get their lives back, by driving them hours to to the doctor he was seeing, um, what he was unable to do with Betsy. Um, Now let's get into the real meat and potatoes. Hit me with the potatoes. The meat and potatoes. All right. You mean the closing? No, no, no. I'm getting into the meat and potatoes. Oh. I was like, I don't think I'm responsible for no, the No, no, no. Of the climax. But I want to hear you say... I want to see hear you say potatoes. Potatoes. Thank you. All right. Rick, Randy, and John have enough evidence to indict uh, the Sackler employees, Howard Udell, Michael Friedman, and Paul Goldenheim. And their hope is that once they indict them... They'll flip, they'll turn on their bosses, and they'll give them up. They were questioned by Congress, these three men, and said they were unaware of the abuse of the drug until 2000, when they had proof that they knew about three years prior. Uh, They present their evidence to the higher-ups and the DOJ, and no one wants to move forward. Brownlee demands that they move forward. They also speak to former Purdue Pharma sales manager who tells Randy and Rick about an employee who stole some training tapes. Uh, That is Billy, who we never, who we find out never signed an NDA when he was asked to leave and is now in law school. The two men plead for the tapes, but Billy refuses until they appear at Randy and Rick's office in a mysterious unmarked box. The attorneys come uh, to a plea with the three Purdue employees. Um, The three Purdue employees receive misdemeanors, and Purdue will pay $600 million. Brownlee finds out that he will be fired, most likely in response to this. The three men have their day in court and need to face many, many family members who are very, very angry with them for tearing apart their families. 
So now I'm going to hit you with the ending. <clears throat> Excuse me. After the plea was unfortunately taken, we see a gap in time. Doc is back to being a doc, and in 2019, Purdue Pharma lost the right to the company. The show says a $600 million settlement was reached. New clips, interviews, and things like this show on the screen of people combating Oxycontin and how the company will be bankrupt. We also see, like, a protest kind of thing. Um, I say protest kind of thing because it's not outside, it's inside, and I'm not really sure where it is. Well, I'll tell you about it later. Okay. Um, although Purdue Pharma will never stop pushing the sales on OC, it seems a little more justice has been served. Actually, a lot more than our pals Rick and Randy thought over a decade before it happened. Yeah. So, uh, what was what did IMDb rate this? This is an eight point six. It's one of the highest things we've done in a while. Wow. Meta, the meta score was a sixty eight, and the user score was a seven point seven. Okay, so the critics gave this an eighty nine percent. The audience rated this a ninety two percent. So very good ratings. Yeah. Um, what do you want to go into your review? I will. I will say that I took the majority of it, but there was one piece that was political, so I kind of, it was like the last line, so I took the last line out. Okay. <coughs> sorry. <coughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. I know we don't have time to edit that out. I'm sorry. Um, this is a 9 out of 10, and it's titled Hooked. <laughs> and I picked this one because it might have been in poor taste, because it's called Hooked. Yeah. I didn't think... I didn't expect to get addicted to a series about the American opioid crisis. I binged dope sick for eight hours straight. It's a little on the nose, don't you think? Honestly, I was going to make the joke, and I'm like, that's, mm, no, I shouldn't. So I'm not, at really least she picked... the, I'm not really trying to make the joke, but it was like three things in a row. Hooked, I didn't expect to get addicted, and um, I binged dope sick for eight hours straight, and I was like, all right, we're, we're on the nose. Here. Yeah. Anyway, Dopesick exposes the immorality of the pharma industry and how executives prioritize financial gains over public health, leading to over 500,000 fatalities. It is a very well-made series, switching between stories of the victims themselves, boardroom scandals, and a national investigative effort. Michael Keaton should easily bag an Emmy nomination for his riveting performance. The supporting cast is just as good. Yeah, I agree. I mainly chose this for the beginning. <laughs> so I grabbed a review from Rotten Tomatoes. This is four and a half out of five stars. Gave this four and a half instead of five, only for the reason that many of the characters were amalgams of several people rather than one particular person. While I realized that for brevity... Uh, that was probably a necessary decision. I would have liked to seen some sort of disclaimer before the show began that the characters were fictionalized. Other than that, the acting and story were superb. Michael Keaton once again proves that he's one of the great actors of this generation who can do comedy, drama, or anything in between. I was also impressed with Ray McKinnon's acting, along with the young lady who played his daughter, Betsy. Caitlin Deaver. Uh, the story is compelling and makes you furious about what I suspect is fairly common practice in the corporate world, putting profits ahead of civic responsibility. So, very a very similar vein to yours. 
Um, so I had email or I had texted you over an article while we were watching this because I was watching this as like, is Dr. Samuel Phoenix real? And like, how did they get hit? Like, is he te like, did they get his testimony? How do they know so much about him specifically and his patients? Right. So, um, the, this is a book. It was a book and I cannot remember the, the, uh, person who wrote it, but the author of that book worked very closely with the showrunners and I feel like they, well, I don't feel, they said that they used, you know, testimonies from real life people to create these characters so that they can fit a bunch of stories in one character or one or two characters, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, but a lot of shows do that. Yeah. What was that Disney movie with the three women scientists? Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> Yeah, those three scientists, I think, were, like, represented for many, many others. And the same thing with Chernobyl. The one-woman doctor, remember, was yeah. actually a whole bunch of doctors, but they had to put it in one character to make it seem more compelling for the plot. Because they're trying to solve the whole problem in a limited series, not over an extended period of time like real life. Yeah, and also just when it comes down to creating a show, it gets very costly if you're and confusing for the audience if you're constantly introducing and then getting rid of new characters right so if you're constantly like it would it would fall flat i like you need someone like a michael keaton to really sink his teeth into this role and be be the the face of addiction that sounds weird but you know what i'm saying well, yeah, I mean, but also, like, the whole journey that he went through. I mean, I don't know if every single person went through that, but maybe some people did, some people didn't. Yeah, I think it's just supposed to be a representation. That even someone like him, who is so knowledgeable, like, he, he, he does not come off as someone who's just, like, you know, he went to a very, very good medical school. You can tell that he's a smart man, and then to have him lose everything i think that that is something that they wanted to push forward with this yeah and off of like a backache right didn't he just like pull his back or something and then they prescribed him with the oxycontin and he was like okay well i'll take it obviously i've been giving it to my patients and they've been doing well so he was in a car accident you remember that's right car accident. because he broke his ribs yeah because betsy was trying to get off of it and she like it caused the explosion in the mine so he broke his rib and they gave that chart about, you know, where is your pain? And then they prescribed based on where his like pain number is. Right. Yeah. So, which was a tool created by Purdue and it's like fake pain organizations and was never approved by the FDA. Well, those, I'll tell you, those things are still in the hospital. Or at least they were 10 years ago because... I remember when my grandmother was in the hospital, my grandmother's allergic to codeine. And if you have anything higher than an eight, they just automatically shoot you up with morphine. Yeah. And morphine and codeine are very similar. And so my mom went to the hospital. My grandmother was like a vegetable and she had to get it all out of her system before she really came to. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I got my wisdom teeth out and they prescribed me 
hydrocodone or like hydrocodone i think i it was an opioid i was like why are you it like i could be an 18 year old child why are you prescribing me an opioid yeah i didn't take it at all i just took advil and it was perfectly fine give me some 800 milligram ibuprofen and i am good to go i think the i think once i was prescribed vicodin and i think that was for when i had my wisdom tooth pulled yeah usually Um, they prescribe something like that for wisdom teeth but i don't think you need it um i don't remember if i ever used it i might have filled it and just had it in case the pain was like intense yeah um but i don't remember if i ever used it yeah um so let's get into our highs and lows shall we yeah so I will say that this is a slow burn. You did warn me um, that it's slow. I think the first few episodes have a very slow rhythm to them. Yeah. But the detail that's included for the storyline is fantastic. Yeah. And I'd like to give just a couple examples. I'm not going to go into all of them, but I really like um, uh, Doc's understanding um, that rehab might not work and how it's explained to him having a conversation with the people in the rehab and how many times they've been there and um, a conversation then with the either sponsor or leader of the group and how he talks about how it used to be filled of all alcoholics and now it's filled all of uh, people who are addicted to opioids. Um, And so it's like all of those explanations just provided like so much detail for his idea as to how he came to be so that when he does relapse we have a full understanding as to how that happened because i think one of the doctors that he talks to says that the need for another opioid uh could be in your system for like up to two years or more yeah um and so like all those things coming together i thought was really nice i also really liked the scene when the lawyer is preparing richard sackler of rich and randy and the u.s attorney and he shows the pictures on the table and he goes into their hobbies who they are who converted to christianity and it's like we know richard sackler enough at this point to know that he needs this long and roundabout answer so that he clearly understands that these people can't be bought out yeah but the whole time he's just like why are you telling me this and they're like we're telling you this because your tactics no longer work yeah and i thought that that was just delivered so wonderfully yeah i didn't really get into that i was trying to find a place for it in the climax but i felt like that was a really good scene specifically placed because they move around a lot in this timeline of the show yeah and it's sometimes it's a little confusing not only that but it's a lot of back and forth and they don't revisit anything from the future no no so in that scene specifically you're seeing rick and randy and john like really moving forward and getting read and getting ready to like uh like go to court basically and then you flash back and you find out that Richard Sackler knew about this like how many years prior to all of this actually happening so in a way you know he knows who he can buy out but he knows he can't buy out those three guys so that's kind of why they well that's not kind of why that's why John Brownlee Brownlee lost his job immediately after this. 
Right, because he well, he also told somebody to go fuck themselves, so I don't think that uh, helps his case. Ah, uh, you know what? He it was deserved because screw the screw those people for yeah. trying not to do this. Well, exactly, and that's how when I remember when he took the phone call and I was like, "Don't do it, John." <laughs> But also, I liked how there were different climaxes at different points. I know it made it difficult for for you to have to put this together. Thank you. But it was um, it was very interesting to see all of the different climaxes happen at different times. And when we watch yeah. shows like Stranger Things, all of the climaxes are happening at the same time yeah. because it's usually how the group is coming back together. So I really like how it was a it was you know. Also, this is a limited series, so maybe that has something to do with it. But it, it was just nice to see a different approach to getting to that point in the show. And then you also have the different pairings, like at the end after, you know, the plea was taken and these three guys were in court in the, um, like, Virginia, whatever district it is. Um, you have Rosario Dawson's character, Bridget, going with... Uh, sparkling cider to congratulate rick and randy and kind of you know reignite their they feel really defeated even though they did get this going and i don't think they really understood how important their case was because it opened the door for a lot of other like investigations into the family not necessarily through the u.s attorney's department but through um just like other states and such so um, it was very, very important, but it was that nice moment of all three of those characters coming together when their first meeting was so very much like, you're bothering me, there's nothing we can do, get away from me. Right. So, I think that was, that was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Did you have any other highs? I mean, the acting in this is absolutely incredible. Well, yeah. I Across the board. There was some points, though, when Michael Keaton was, um, playing an addicted Dr. Phoenix. And he felt very much like his character in Beetlejuice. Like, very, like his hair was a little all over the place and he had like a gray pallor to, her, to him. I'm like, is this Beetlejuice? That's a good, I didn't even put that together. <laughs> but no, I thought like Caitlin Deaver killed it. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard and John Hoganacre, fantastic. Um, I didn't really okay maybe one um my only low was that so this is supposed to take place in the early 2000s right nothing nothing here happens before 2006 okay so billy and amber philippa sue um they're supposed to be of like a higher level of wealth i guess they're supposed to be like new money because they're you know not coming from much and they're becoming the salesperson and they're probably making decent money doing that and they they said that some of the apartments that they're in do not look like they're from the early 2000s whatsoever that's true billy's house at least at that point um it had like that weird it it didn't look like it was from the it looked like it was today it didn't look like the early 2000s I wrote, tell the set designers to call the set designers from Bad Education and give them a lesson of uh, (laughs) early 2000s decor because that early 2000s decor was correct. That's true. Man, I forgot about that. I I, I recently rewatched it. It was so good. It was. My only low was the one thing between Bridget's marriage ending because we see them hug in court, but that's it. And 
I think that was when I first realized that oh we're not we're not gonna go we're not gonna come back to the future. Here. I don't know why they really put in Bridget's divorce in this show. Like I don't necessarily understand why it was part of it. Well, also they might not be divorced; they might just be separated. Like I don't I don't know what's but happening. But I don't know if why you're, if you're they taking, just if you're taking screen time away to show me that you're going to marriage counseling and that you got married in the first place and you're not happy, then finish it. Finish that storyline. I mean, I don't know why that had to be a thing at all. Like maybe introduce a different DEA agent into the the mix and have those two work together as opposed right. to I guess maybe like showing the effects of the job on a marriage, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't get why that was part of it. So what'd you eat? I had some almond butter almonds because I went to Trader Joe's a couple weeks ago. And I still don't know what these are. I need to get you some. Next time I go, I'm going to get you some. And I've oh. said this before, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it now. I'm putting my foot down. I'm okay. getting you some almond butter almonds. Well, I had, I've been on a chip kick lately. A chip kick? Chip kick. And so one night while I was watching this, I was eating corn chips with a pesto hummus. Ooh. Yeah. I love pesto. There's nothing, like, pesto is the absolute, pesto is the besto. (laughs) (laughs) Can that be... (laughs) The parentheses of this episode. I don't think I came up with that, so I can't take credit for that. <laughs> okay, it might be trademarked. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like P- um, Peter's pesto may already have that trademarked, and I don't <laughs> want to get us in trouble. Yeah, no copyright infringement here. <laughs> <laughs> um, your expectation. So I heard about the book before the show. Nicholas was in the city. And he was drinking on a rooftop, and some random person gave him this book. So it's literally in my living room right now. Um, I thought it was go- So I didn't know how they were going to- Like, it seems just like a book full of knowledge and not necessarily, like, a storyline. So I didn't really know how they were going to turn this into a miniseries. I thought it was going to be a lot similar to, like, The Report- like, focused on facts and laying them out. Um, or maybe, like, from the author's perspective of, like, going through and, like, doing this investigation into this. Um, I did like the touch of who, hey, who is affected by this. That added, like, a very um, just personal touch to it. Um, it humanized things. I love that they threw in actual footage of the protests and the family, like, protesting at the end. Well, where was that? So, that's the Guggenheim. There is a artist named Nan Golden, and she um, started the protest, um, and they did it, like, all over at multiple locations, because it's very, it's shown throughout the series that the Sackler family is very, very um into art and investing in art and because they have a lot of money they can you know give big donations to a lot of museums and once like things started getting out about the Sackler family and the Purdue family a lot of people were mad that these museums were taking donations from the Sackler family and having Sackler wings when they're doing all of this bad in the world 
So that's why that big pro that's the rotunda of the Gold, the Guggenheim. And not just any museums, like the Louvre, like Yeah, the the, the Louvre. <laughs> the big ones. Yeah. They were outside the Metropolitan Museum of Art, all right? It's it's not no um Joyce Kilmer Art Museum at Rutgers. No offense to Joyce Kilmer. It's a lovely museum, and I highly recommend going, but it is a little tiny museum. Well, but, well, I don't know. They got a big campus. They should make it bigger. It's fine. It's it's okay. Um, okay. What was your expectation versus reality? I wasn't. I wasn't sure what to, to expect, but when I saw Michael Keaton on the cover, uh, the, the, the photo that's featured everywhere, I was kind of thinking that he wouldn't get hooked. I was thinking that he would be like a doctor kind of studying how to how to stop it, right? Because my expectation just went off. I'm just yawning in the middle of my Sorry, sentence. I just got to, if you heard a creak of a door, it's because Nicholas came and brought me coffee. Oh, no, that's fine. I'm just, I'm trying my best not to yawn. Um, it's 54 degrees outside and you're having iced coffee? I'm indoors. <laughs> I got my heat on. <laughs> the elements are not affecting me right now. I'm under a blanket and a sweatshirt, all right? Yeah, I'm outside because Dave is still sleeping. Oh. He's not out getting you coffee? No. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. No, no, no. The days of that happening are far behind us because he works, not only does he work from home, he works on mountain time. So he doesn't have oh. to start work some days until 11 gotcha yeah because they're two hours behind us yeah yeah sometimes his team um is not always from over there so sometimes depending on if he has a meeting earlier he'll start earlier but like he could potentially work 11 to 7 when he started he was working 11 to 7 every day and i was like so how about that morning coffee you promised <laughs> to make me huh how about that i actually told him that we had this conversation do you remember the one episode where you turned around and then there was a hand with coffee there and i was like oh wait let me try it and it wasn't there and i've again great content for an audio podcast but i'm turning <laughs> i'm also turning to my right and there was no coffee there. And so I told Dave this and I was like, and it was really funny. He's like, oh, piece of shit, Dave. <laughs> uh, anywho. I'm sorry. I uh, threw you off your uh, your train of thought there with That's the coffee. Okay. and the, a nice, nice little rant. And the banter. Rant. Um, Michael Keaton, you did not expect. Yeah, I, I just. Didn't, I didn't expect him to to get hooked. I expected him to be a doctor that like became, I don't know, like like did research and like helps with the research side of it. And like, I didn't expect him to be knee deep in the situation. And it's it's so terrible that it happened on such like an innocent circumstance. And yeah. he's thinking, yeah, well, I prescribe this to my patients, so I should be able to take it too, right? And. Oh my God, what a mess. Oh my gosh. When he said he was on 400 milligrams of Oxycontin, that's terrifying. Let me tell you throughout this series, and that's one of the times we audibly gasped. Yeah. Like how you gasp regularly. (laughs) No, we don't do that. But the two of us are like, (gasps) (laughs) yeah, they did a great job at giving you those big, like, did you think that? Um, Betsy was gonna die. Yeah, well, they kind of set it up. Yeah, they did set it up. Yeah. I felt bad. I felt really bad when that happened. Oh, yeah, I mean, but when she said, shh. 
But getting back to, you know, Dr. Phoenix taking it when he was in the hospital, I think it was a great juxtaposition of Dr. Phoenix getting that, you know, where is your pain, opposed to Randy when he was in the hospital. And you can tell that he was in a lot of pain and he's refusing to take the drug. And, you know, they're making a deal like, oh, he won't take the he won't take the Oxycontin. Yeah. Like, I think that that was a great thing because you know Michael Keaton is getting his information from Purdue Pharma right and it all seems hunky-dory meanwhile Randy is investigating and he knows that it's bad so he's refusing to take it meanwhile all these doctors are really pushing it on him so I think that that was a great you know mirror that the writers did there yeah I agree um, I also just want to take a minute before we go into the IRL moment to bring up Michael Keaton's accept, uh, uh, not accepting speech. Well, I guess a award accepting speech when he was like, I think you sent it to me. He was like, I know I've had some doubters over the years, but uh, yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> like, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I I would like to see Michael Keaton in more things. I think that he's a fantastic actor. Great Batman. He was a great, great Batman. Batman. <laughs> we should do an episode. Oh, it would be so much work. Where we watch all of the Batmen. Uh, you know, know, it's it's a lot. It is a lot, and I know Nicholas and I tried to watch them, especially like the '90s ones, because you, like you grow up with them, and they're like so over the top mm-hmm. and ridiculous. Um. Was Jack Nichols in the eighties or the nineties? It it's like that same time period. So it was. Okay. I think that was the first Batman where he played Joker, and I think it was like eighty nine. Okay, so it was late. 80s. And then I want to say like the last one. I think it was George. It was Batman and Robin. I want to say, and that was with George Clooney and um, Chris O'Donnell, and then Alicia Silverstone. And I want to say that was probably like ninety five, ninety six. Would be okay. my guess. So, all right. Last but not least, did you have an IRL moment? Um, I actually went to the Guggenheim in July. I went to the. I don't know why I said it like that. I went to the Guggenheim in July, and uh, I was walking around the rotunda, um, and I was trying to explain that there was a big protest there, and they were like throwing papers off the like, like from the top and like Mm -hmm. having them all trickle down very much like that scene in uh 10 things i hate about you yeah um and i did a horrible job explaining it and i couldn't give you like any details on what they were like um what they were protesting specifically i'm like it's that family with the the pharmacy and the and the and the thing and the and the the drugs and the and the problems and the the sackler and blah blah but um, now I can do a much better job <laughs> explaining it. Maybe not so much because that was a really horrible, uh, I don't know. I, I need to go to bed. I'm tired. <laughs> well, I did not have an IRL moment, but um, something that could potentially be an IRL moment. I know that the drugs are still impacting um, the li- um, many of our lives the lives of loved ones every day. So if you feel as though you have an addiction, please call someone. And if you're unsure of who to call, maybe try the American Addiction Center's hotline, um, which 
is 866-754-6586. And you can check out their website, AmericanAddictionCenters.org, to um, check your insurance, to view treatments, um, see what the admission process is, their locations, and things like that. So I thought this would be a good episode to just kind of give that public service announcement. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. We're done. That's it. it. We did it all. All right, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Oh, my gosh. uh, You can close us out. That's okay. I was just going to say thanks. And we're on Instagram and Twitter at Hey, It's Two Girls. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Classic Stina. Danielle's on Instagram as Danielle Kobianki. Send us an email at twogirlswatchtv at gmail.com. Two is spelled out T-W-O. Check out the blog Beer, Coffee, Donuts, and the YouTube channel Drink Beer. Two Girls Drink Beer. Um, and Otis is just being a pain in the butt. Our our mascot <laughs> driving me crazy right now. So now is a good time to end. All right, everyone, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye. Bye. Bye.